Well, good evening. It is still evening. Is it evening or is it afternoon? What, what would y'all say here? Evening? Okay. Good evening then. <laughs> well, for those of y'all who don't know me, my name's David Hughes. I grew up in Iva, South Carolina, small town south of Greenville, or Greenville, how y'all would say it here. And uh, when I was 12, I went down to Argentina because my mom's Argentine. And we went down there to witness to my family on her side. We ended up staying. I ended up meeting my wife's family there, my father-in-law, Steve Thornton, your missionary down there, and started working with him ever since he started the church. I helped build the foundations of the church and got involved as a teenager in different ministries, working with kids and all. And in the year 2007, we got married. In 2014, we went down to the mountains to start a church in Patagonia, and uh, we had an awesome time there. We actually thought that we'd stay there. We'd actually live and just start a base from there, a base camp, and start new churches in that area because there aren't hardly any churches in the southern part of Argentina. If you look at the map of Argentina, it's just folded in half. About the, the half of Argentina down, the southern part, probably has some four churches, Baptist and independent Baptist churches. So that's why I always had a burden for the southern part of Argentina because there aren't any independent Baptist churches down there. But the Lord changed plans on us and... In 2020, we went down further down south to help another missionary out so he could visit his family in Oklahoma City. And I helped watch over the church there because he's just so far away from any other church. We were the closest one, and we were probably, what, 28 hours away from him. So that was a long drive, but went down there to watch over the church for a year. And that's when the Lord showed us it was he wanted us to come back to the States, which um, we didn't know what to expect, where to go. We're like, okay, Lord. We'll do it. We'll go. Yes, sir. Here we come. So after we knew we were coming to the states, it's like, okay, it's a state. So now where? We have tons of states here, 50 states. Where do we go? So we landed in South Carolina, close to where I grew up. And the Lord opened doors there, quite a few things, so we can get a hang of things. Because we basically grew up in Argentina. Uh, if you think about it, I'm just 35 years old and lived 23 years down there. So more Argentine than American, although I still have that southern accent and all. But uh, it was, it's been interesting. Life up here has been interesting. Let me ask you all this. How many of you all have been overseas? Okay, quite a few of you all. How many of you have been to a third world country overseas? <laughs> I, I can't say anything. I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> Just Dallas, Houston. <laughs> now, if you visit another country, a third world country, you get to see how blessed America is to have what it has. Now, when I went down to Argentina, of course, I was young. I was about 12 years old, and I had some memories of the states that I really enjoyed. My best friend growing up, Chaz Hayes, we had some good times. Before coming up north here about a month ago, I visited him that day we were leaving South Carolina, and we got to talking about old days, how things were before I went to Argentina because we hadn't seen each other for years. So it was really nice getting to talk with him. And he had served overseas as a Marine in the Middle East for eight years, and he told me that America just isn't what it used to be. It just isn't. He told me in his own words that the Lord led us this way to the States. He said, yes, the country does have money. It's good economically-wise, at least for now, still is. But... uh Spiritually, America is dead. That's what he said. And so he gave me a few tips of different things going on, like Calvinism going around 
uh, Baptist churches nowadays and all. So he was catching me up on a few things. But what we were talking about is how people in churches aren't really involved much, which is one of the things that stood out being here in Sydney the last few services and seeing how many of y'all are really serving the Lord and getting involved. That's just awesome to see how how y'all are helping, hands-on, not just giving money, which is probably something easy that most people do in other churches, just give money. That's something easy one can do. But here we've been able to see lots of people hands-on getting their getting their hands dirty because they want to serve the Lord, and that's just been awesome. While we've been in Argentina, of course, this church has supported us, and we really wanted to, appreciate, uh, to thank you for that because that has been a huge help while we've been there in Argentina. So thank you for your love, support, your prayers for us. And please continue to pray for us as we continue to see what the Lord wants from us. Please go with me to Joshua chapter 7. While you look for that, the reason I started with all this about the states, how it's changed, is because we live in the Laodicean times. Pastor Jim just said that as I walked in. We do live during those times where the church, most Christians aren't either, either aren't cold nor hot, but lukewarm. And it's come to the point where in Revelations 3.20, the Lord Jesus Christ is outside knocking at the door Asking to see who's going to open the door for him. Because most Christians today are comfortable with their lives. They're comfortable. They're okay. And we don't even think about the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the week. We leave him outside of our lives. And we've been following and believing in these different lies of sin. And we've been falling into Satan's tactics. And we've chosen to follow sin, many of us, or hide sin in our lives. And therefore, the Lord can't bless us as he wants to. What I want us to see today is three lies of sin. And what we're going to see is three lies that Satan still uses today. He used it in the beginning with Adam and Eve, and he's used it throughout history. We're going to see here how Achan fell for these lies and how we often fall for these lies, too, of sin. And many times, not realizing it, we think it's okay. It's not a big deal when it really is. So here, let me give you a summary of Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, we have the walls of Jericho falling down. Lord uses Joshua to tell the Israelites to go around this city once a day, six days in a row. Seventh day, they're supposed to go around seven times, yell, you know, play the trumpets and all. And the walls came tumbling down. So that's how Lord delivered the city of Jericho to the Israelites. Now, in Joshua chapter 7, we see something else. An important detail we have to pay attention to in Joshua 6, verse 17, is this. It says that the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Lest least you make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So this city of Jericho was accursed, and they weren't supposed to take anything from it. The gold, the silver, brass, and iron, that was supposed to be consecrated to the Lord. So the Lord did give victory over Jericho. Verse 27, there at the end of the chapter, it says that the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was noised throughout all the country. So everybody knew this 
these people were people of God. And chapter 7, verse 1, pretty much sums what I'm going to talk about today. Verse 1 says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So what had happened is that Achan took of the accursed thing. He took something he shouldn't have taken. What we see in verses 2 to verse 5 is that it explains that the Israelites sent some men over to spy another city. This Ai is what the city is called. Go spy on the land, see what that was all about. So the men came back and said, told Joshua, hey, that city, they're really, they, it isn't a big deal. Let's just send a few men over there, about two, 3,000 men over to Ai. We can take them on. It's easier. It's, it's a small city. So they did that. They just sent a few men over. But it turns out they end up running away from these men of Ai. And all because there was sin amongst the Israelites. In verse 6 of chapter 7, we see that Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord, even the eventide. And if we keep reading, he's basically asking the Lord, Lord, why on earth did this happen? Why did you let this happen to your people? Remember, verse 27 from chapter 6, their fame was noise throughout the country. Everybody knew who the Israelites were. And now they're running away from Ai, this small town. They're a nobody. They're running away like cowards. And so Joshua's asking the Lord, Lord, why did you let this happen to us? What are the people going to think? We're your people, the God's people, God's country, and you're letting this happen to us. Why? So the Lord takes time to answer that question. Verse 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So what we see is that Joshua does what the Lord tells him to do. And first thing, verse 16, he rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. What we see in these following verses is how specific the Lord was to point out who was the one at fault here. Who was the one that committed this trespass? It says, verse 17, And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarites, and he brought the family of the Zarites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. The Lord was very specific to point out who was the one at fault. Let me just say this before we dig into what I really want to point out, because what we're going to see in the next following verses are those three lies of sin that we often fall for. 
If the Lord shows you that you have sin in your life, sin that you haven't dealt with, don't wait. Joshua rose up early in the morning to deal with this situation. Head on, straight on. And that's what we ought to do. If we know there's something in our life we haven't confessed yet, let's go and deal with it straight on. Look at what Achan says in verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Here in verse 21, we see the, the first sin, the first lie of sin. The first lie of sin is, I need it. I need it. That's the first lie of sin. And we often fall for that. Right here in verse 21, it says that he saw among the spoils this goodly Babylonish garment and that gold and that silver. When he saw that, that wasn't sin. That was just temptation taking place because he saw it. And that'll happen in our lives. We'll see things we shouldn't be looking at. We'll see things come across and that'll be temptation. Satan will try to tempt us to fall for his trap. But then it says here that he coveted them and took them. That's where sin took place. Now this lie that we need it, I need that, whatever it is, that's just a lie. We never need to go against God's word and sin against him. God's instruction for the Israelites was clear. There was no doubt what they had to do and what not to do. But Achan saw that stuff, good stuff, among the spoils and decided that he needed it. Let's just think about that. Oftentimes when we sin, we make a fools of ourselves when we sin. That gold and silver, was that something he could use or not? No. Maybe if he melted it somehow, decided to just hammer it down and bend it or something so no one could recognize what it was, maybe that way he could use that. But the Babylonish garment... Just think of that. What was he going to do? Wear that six months down the road, put that on and walk around. People say, hey, Aiken, where'd you get that from? Um, I bought it. <laughs> what was he going to say? Can you imagine? Just think of it. I was trying to think what's the weirdest garment to me today. What if I was to wear one of them skirts that the Irishmen wear when they play those bagpipes? What if I was preaching in one of them red skirts? Would that be okay with y'all? <laughs> I'm not even Irish. Well, maybe part Irish. I don't know. But wouldn't that just be weird? Now, Aiken, like Andy Joyner, that's right. <laughs> Poor Andy. <laughs> but we often look like fools ourselves when we sin against God, thinking that we need it, and we commit sin when we know we shouldn't. But we oftentimes just fall for that. I need it. The second lie of sin is that I can hide it. I can hide it. Now here, Achan told Joshua that he had hid it in the earth in the midst of his tent and the silver under that stuff. They went and they found it and they brought it before him. So they knew where it was at. But the way we read this in the text, 
It seems like nobody else knew what had happened. Nobody knew that Achan had stolen this stuff, that he took it home and hid it under his tent. Nobody knew about that. But God did. Oftentimes, as Christians, we can think nobody sees what I'm doing when I'm at home alone or when I'm at work and the boss isn't working. I can just slack a little bit and not work. Or even at school, nobody's watching, so I can cheat during the test. Yeah, nobody's watching. We can probably get by and fool people around us, but we can't fool God. He knows. Look at what Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15 verse 3 tells us this. Proverbs 15 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. His eyes are in every place. Look at chapter 5 verse 21. Proverbs 5 21. This tells us here, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. And I could also, we could also look at Numbers 32, 23, which was uh, my wife's grandmother's favorite verse. Be sure your sins will find you out. Even though we think we can hide it and nobody knows what's going on, the Lord God, he knows what we're doing even when nobody else is looking. He knows what we're doing. Now, when I was talking with my friend in South Carolina... He was telling me a little bit about the custom, the culture in the Middle East. And one of the things he told me was about the Muslims and how they have their prayers every Friday. So he told me every Thursday night was their party night. But I wasn't sure about sharing this, but I'll go ahead and share this story with you. The awful sins that they would commit. Of course, among the Muslims, it's a sin that a man has sex with a woman outside of marriage. So what they do Thursday night, they go after boys, young boys. Just awful sin. And all because Friday, they can go pray and, and ask for forgiveness and everything be okay. So next week comes around, Thursday night, they're doing the same stuff, same junk. Oftentimes we do the same. Probably not as bad as that. But oftentimes, we'll go to the Lord saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then go right back to the same junk, same sin, commit the same thing over and over and over. True repentance is turning our back. It's a, it's a 180 degree change saying, no more, I'm turning my back to this to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want true repentance in my life. And that's what we need to assume our responsibilities, be man enough to assume our own responsibilities. If we have sinned, recognize that sin in our life and say, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I sinned against you. Please forgive me and show a complete change and follow him. Leave that behind. I know we'll be stumbling. Christian life is a constant growth. It's something we have to work on. It's a constant growth. It's sanctifying of our lives. It's a progress. But we ought to look to keep moving forward and not going back to the same sin in our lives. We think we need it. We may fall for that lie that I can hide it. The third lie of sin is that it's worth it. It's worth it. Now, if we could somehow bring Achan to this day 
to talk here with us tonight and ask him, Aiken, was it worth it? Was it really worth it? I think Aiken would tell us about those 36 men that died when they went after Ai and ended up running away from those men of Ai. 36 men died that day. I think he'd tell us about the shame upon all of Israel, how he ruined Israel's testimony, because there, uh, here it said Joshua's fame, it was noise throughout the country. Everybody knew about them. But now everybody knew how they ran away from Ai. But I also think he'd tell about how his family died. Because if we keep reading Joshua 7, verses 22 on to the end of the chapter, they brought everything he owned, his families, his kids, his axe, his ass, his ox, his asses, his sheep, everything he owned, his tent, everything, they burned it all, they stoned them. That's how the story ended for him. So if we asked Aiken, was it worth it? The answer would be a clear no. It definitely was not worth it. And when we sin, is it worth it? If we think about it, is it worth it to sin? Of course, Aiken may have thought that the punishment was certainly going to be a lot less than the rewards he would have gotten from that stuff he took. And sometimes we think the same because we're not thinking about the consequences. But the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life because he loves you. He loves me. He gave his life for us. But we take that lightly when we sin against the Lord and not even consider what we're doing. When we sin, let's be honest, it's a decision we're making. It's an intentional decision we make to sin against the Lord God. It's not because we fail into sin like some teach. We fall into the devil's lies and then decide to sin against the Lord. But the decision is ours. Are we going to hide it? Are we going to continue this life or not? First John 1 John 1.9. Let's see if I can say that in English now. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that right? Okay, I'm trying to memorize the English version now. I can say it in Spanish if you want. <laughs> he is willing to forgive us because he wants to bless us and be there for us. Many times... If, if I'm in sin, the Lord can't bless my family. We're at man camp. If the men are in sin, how can we expect the Lord to bless our family? Achan, his whole family had to pay the price for his sin. And oftentimes when we're carrying sin, hiding that in our lives, our family's paying the consequence. And if we're hiding that, maybe even our church pays the consequence. Maybe it'd be growing a lot faster, quicker. But because of our sin, the Lord can't bless it as he wants to. That's why we have to think about that. The lies of sin is that I need it, I can hide it, and it's worth it. But one last thing I really want to point at is Joshua 7. Look at the last verse, 26. I want to end with this. Verse 26 says... And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. This Valley of Achor is something that's just mentioned five times in the Bible. Two times in this chapter and just a few more times. But something interesting about the Valley of Achor is what it says in Hosea chapter 2 verse 15. Let's go there. Hosea 2 verse 15. After the book of Daniel, Hosea chapter 2, look at what it says in verse 15. Of course, this is talking about Israel. It's not talking about the church. This is talking about Israel's restoration, how the Lord wants to restore Israel. 
And it says in Hosea 2, verse 15, And I will give her her vineyards from thence in the valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and is as in the day when she came up from out of the land of Egypt. It's talking about the valley of Achor, that place that was a place that reminded them of that sin that was committed and God's judgment upon Israel. That place of death, that place that just brought all these memories is where it says that's where he's going to put the door of hope. What I'm going at is this. This was, of course, said of Israel. But even us, when we're in sin, sometimes we can get to the point where we think there's no hope for me. There's no way out of this. There's just no way God can forgive me for this sin. I had people talk to me time after time in Argentina about that. There's just no way God can forgive me for what I've done. Talk to drug addicts, people that have killed other people. They just say, there's just no way God can forgive me for what I've done. Let me tell you this. God loves you too much to leave you there in that place of sin. He loves you too much. He loves you so much, he sent his only son to die on that cross so that you don't have to pay the price of your own sins and end up in hell. He sent his son because he loves you and he wants you to come live with him in eternity in heaven. That's how much he loves you. The proof of God's love is that he sent his son for you and for me. God loves you too much to leave you alone in your sin. That's why he provided a way that we can get out of that. He wants to forgive us our sins. The Bible tells us that without shedding of blood is no remission. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ came and gave his life for us. The just for us, the unjust. I can't give my life to save my wife. Pastor can't give his life to save anybody here in the church. Because I'm a sinner like my wife. Pastor's a sinner just like any of us. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth to live a perfect life so that he could pay the price that nobody else could for all of us. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord, we shall be saved. It's a sure thing and there's no doubt about it. It's a sure thing. But we must repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to save us and we shall be saved. And even as Christians... Maybe you are a Christian, and you, if you're honest about it, maybe you're hiding something in your life. Maybe something your wife doesn't even know, kids don't know, your boss doesn't know. Is there something in your life that you need to repent from, just leave behind to serve the Lord wholeheartedly so that he can bless you and your family? Think about it. The lies of sin is, I need it, I can hide it, it's worth it. It's never worth it to go against the word of God. If we want God to bless our families, and men, if we want God really bless our families, our kids, and this church, we need to make things right with the Lord. If there's something in our heart, what better day than today to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. 1 John 1, 9 was written to Christians, not the unsaved. Written to Christians to repent from their sins. If there's something we're hiding... Let's make things right tonight. Please stand with your eyes closed and just think about that. Is there something that you need to deal with and make right with the Lord today? If so, make that decision today. Just pray to God. If you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, what better day than today to say, Lord, Save me. Please forgive me. 
We can have victory over sin through Jesus. Not in our own strength, but in him. So why don't you make that decision and come to him today?